This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. Format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destinations International. Summit season is upon us. And if you haven't already checked out the 2022 schedule, it's available online. Coming up next month, it's CEO Summit on April 3rd to 5th in Palm Springs and the Marketing and Communications Summit, April 24th to the 26th in Seattle. You can learn more at destinationsinternational.org slash upcoming hyphen events. And now it's on to our show. Greg DeShields is the Executive Director of Tourism Diversity Matters and a qualified tourism, hospitality, and academic professional certified hospitality educator, otherwise known as a CHE, proficient in developing and implementing plans, strategies, and initiatives specifically designed to raise a destination's image for diverse, multicultural travel. Greg is also an experienced certified diversity executive, a CDE, with a demonstrated cultural competence, prepared to strategically position an organization to remove systematic barriers to inclusion, lead cultural change, and transform the brand. Greg's career path has leveraged flexibility and transferring skills, beginning as a student interested in restaurant management, which led him to a hospitality management program, then recruited by Hyatt Hotels as a management trainee, where he learned how to be adaptable. Greg later worked for Omni, Sheraton, and a number of independent hotel brands. He worked for nonprofits, higher education, destination management organizations, and now leads Tourism Diversity Matters. Greg DeShields, welcome to DMOU. Thank you so much, Bill. It is my pleasure to join you once again. Once again, I think that you may be outside of the, the guys at DI. I think you may be our first repeat. So this is kind of like SNL, wow. right? Pretty soon we're going to have to get you a jacket <laughs> or something for your fifth and, and tenth appearance. But it's great to have you back. And first off, congratulations on a stellar first year at the helm of Tourism Diversity Matters, an organization that we are particularly proud to support. When TDM launched a little more than a year ago, we invited board chair Elliot Ferguson to outline the vision and mission of the initiative. But for those who may have missed that episode, share with us the genesis of Tourism Diversity Matters. Sure. Well, you know, as we think back to that summer of 2020, there were so many things that were happening, but probably one of the most notable things that took place was the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Yeah. And at that particular time, our president and CEO, Mike Gamble, who's based in Minneapolis, was really able to take that firsthand view of what was happening in our country. And he really felt that this is that time when as an industry, we should put forth more than just an initiative or a committee or some limited type of activity to impact change in our industry around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's where the concept of Tourism Diversity Matters really came to life, an organization that would focus on it 365 days a year, and that would be all that we would do. Fortunately, with the leadership of Elliot Ferguson as our 
inaugural board chair and those other organizations such as Conference Direct, as well as the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau that provided the seed money in order to begin the creation of TDM. You know, our focus is really to serve as that collaborative leader to really make an impact in terms of providing resources and access to support those strategic efforts and initiatives of organizations in our industry to do better in terms of their ability to be successful in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, there was that moment, as you refer back to 2020, I mean, there was that summer and fall of that year where there was an immense amount of focus and people were signing manifestos and documents were being produced and DMOs were you know, establishing DEI statements for their websites, uh, for their community. And then there was that moment where it all started to slow. And I remember a number of people in our space uh, in the conversations we were having saying, is that it? What just happened? The air just kind of came out of the room. It's like, we're on to the next thing. And there was this kind of malaise that people were feeling. And then all of a sudden, it was the fact that, no, we're still working on this. It's that people like you and Mike and Elliot were putting together something that was going to be sustainable, which is Tourism Diversity Matters. So, you know, last summer, we had the opportunity to work with past DMOU guest and CEO of the Greater Lansing CVB, Julie Pinkston. And I tell you what, she couldn't be more effusive in her praise of the work that TDM was doing and has done in her community. So for those who really are still trying to get their hands around TDM and what it offers to those of us in the DMO world, Share with us the Lansing story from start to finish and how other DMOs and honestly other organizations can benefit from your processes. Well, we love telling the Lansing story. Actually, I'm going to work with the Lansing team a little later this afternoon. So any opportunity to do a shout out to Julie and her team is something that I think is truly genuine and authentic uh, confirmation of what our industry has as potential in terms of really dedicated leaders around DEI. You know, I should put into context, though, there are pillars of how we operate and the work that we do. So we have an incredible apprentice program, which really serves as that pipeline of talent. And we've had that for a number of years, actually under Searchwide. And we have multiple cities now that are hosting our apprentice, which really we see as the future leaders of our industry. I mean, we have a terrific focus, which is really aligned with our partnership with U.S. Travel. In November of last year, we became the DEI partner with U.S. Travel. And our efforts are really to support industry-wide, how we can bring back our employees to our industry in a way that's not just engaging them in work, but also embracing the value of DEI. And of course, we are committed to providing solid research that really supports all the work that we do in the DEI space. But the work that we did with Julie was really interesting because our pillar that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion has three components to it. One is workshops that we will produce for a variety of different organizations and training training that they may request in order to fulfill some of the needs that they have in their organization. But the unique space is to be able to work within an organization to help dismantle the organization and help 
provide them insights as to the gaps that they may have regarding DEI and how it lives within their organization. So we conducted a diversity, equity, and inclusion organizational assessment for the Greater Lansing Convention and Visitors Bureau that really looked at it from two different perspectives. We looked at their operational function, and we also looked at the cultural aspect of the organization. So we did just that. We dismantled the organization, gathering all of their business documents to look at that through a lens in terms of how DEI is or is not a part of the culture of the organization. We secondly worked very closely with their board and the board was fantastic. And the board was really quite willing to be as vulnerable to do their own evaluation of their knowledge, their insight of DEI. And as that governing group that really guides the organization to align their level of expertise to really move the organization forward in terms of setting its top priorities. And through that process, we were able to learn a lot about operationally that took place, but the more significant activity took place with our diamond inclusiveness assessment. It's a tool that we use from an organization called Culture Brokers that allows us to look at eight different dimensions of an organization. And through a very diverse representation of survey respondents, we get some very substantial quantitative data that can provide specific metrics that an organization can use in order to set their action plan or their strategic plan moving forward around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the project with Lansing was really centered upon the fact that they had a very committed group of individuals who were part of their diversity council. And while they were all very passionate about DEI, the strategy that was necessary in order to prioritize and set metric goals and to determine whether or not it was really supporting the overall efforts of the organization was a big gap. And the work that we did really helped to synchronize the committee with the priorities of the organization, set more definitive strategy for the committee so that as they moved forward, their efforts were not just because it felt good, but that it was good for business, that it was good for the organization. So after a three-month process, we were able to provide a intense summary of recommendations from an operational perspective, but more importantly, we were able to provide them a very clear-cut action plan and strategic plan around the cultural nuances of improvement that would need to take place within their organization. And then that process moves to implementation. All of those recommendations somehow or another have to be iterated within your organization. And that's what we've been working with them. And how do you take those really solid, clear-cut areas of focus that can move the organization forward and have it embedded within a functional aspect of your organization, which ultimately may need to be retooled and adjusted. And then at the end, which could be close to about a year or 14 months later, do a complete evaluation to see how we've been able to move the needle. You know, the concept of institutional, I think is a tough one for many because I can probably count on one hand the number of people that I would say are rejecting DEI as a primary focus. I mean, we all generally say, well, you know, I'm not biased. I'm, I don't think that way. I, you know, we do everything we can. We make sure that our marketing is inclusive. We make sure that, that our membership is inclusive. And yet I can't help but think that the work that you're doing has to shine a light, maybe an uncomfortable light on practices that we have held as you know, standard operating practices and DMOs forever. 
And all of a sudden we go, oh, what is it like when there is that oh moment when your recommendations and your analysis comes back? Well, I think what's really been significant through the process and those that we've worked with is how they are becoming much more aware of how there is a strategic approach to DEI, which is different than perhaps the passion that has been used in the past. Passion does have a tendency to lose its way as time goes forward. And when you engage in conversations from a strategic perspective, meaning how does this align with the strategic goals which are intended to move our organization forward? How does this in fact provide us greater market share? How does this position us to be an employer of choice, which would recruit the best and the the brightest talent to give me that strategic competitive advantage? How do we then look at the activities that we engage in and measure the impact associated with it? That's not the type of conversations that have taken place in the past. We've decided we'll do an unconscious bias session or we'll sponsor this particular organization. But from a strategic perspective, you look at your organization and you do the things that are prioritized to move the needle. So if there's five organizational strategic goals, they're all defined as what will lead us forward and that we provide all of our goals, our measurements, our culture, our DNA of the things that we do in order to support those strategic goals. And building in DEI as one of those strategic goals is something that leaders have been embracing and they approach the idea of DEI quite differently. You know, they look at it from an investment perspective quite differently. They know that the particular investment is based upon the need, not the want. And to that degree, the results are far more measurable and more impactful in terms of your organization. So those that we have encountered have embraced a much more strategic engagement around DEI with a much more measured approach to the expectations and the outcomes that they see. Now, that's not to minimize the fact that within any strategic effort, there are things that you have to do. You have to provide adequate resources. You have to be willing to adjust as market conditions change. And DEI is very much the same. I think that there had been some very confusing and some very diluted interpretations around the kind of investment that one would make in DEI. And today there's a clearer sense. More DEI people are speaking CFO so that the engagement around DEI through board meetings, through finance meetings, have a clear connection to how they drive the business forward. So I would say in terms of those that we've engaged in, absolutely, their focus is much more around the strategic discussion of DEI as opposed to just singularly the passionate discussion. Yeah, I think that's just brilliant. You know, one of the things, and we talked about this the last time you were on the show, one of the things I really loved about the work that you did at PHL Diversity was going well beyond what I think most destination marketing organizations were doing at the time when it came to DEI and actually going into the neighborhoods and identifying minority businesses that were successful in their own right. I mean, they were doing great, but they just were not wired to understand the opportunities in the broader hospitality market, especially vis-a-vis being able to service conventions or be involved in DMO RFP processes. And that you really saw your role as reaching out into those communities 
to make sure that they're part of the game too. And I think that that's to your point about being strategic. I mean, there's, there's one thing about, you know, want and desire and the right thing to do, but the other is to empower these entrepreneurial businesses that never were part of our game to join us and be a part of this. Well, in that particular conversation, I think it's important to lean heavily into educating those diverse businesses about the hospitality industry. And then as they engage in DMOs, how does that work? Becoming a member is not immediately going to open doors in your business and have a flood of customers. So the idea of understanding what is the convention calendar and how do I position my particular products and services to be aligned when a particular group comes in. I mean, those are all very nuanced dialogues that you have to have, and it may not be the immediate return. However, as they look at their business mix and they are trying to figure out how they can create either new segmentation or ways of expanding the services that they offer, that there is a time and a place within a DMO environment that that can happen. And that's where you want them to become much more involved and understand the cycles and the business flow that takes place within a DMO and how they can align that with the business cycles that they operate. Yeah. And I may have told this story before on the show, but I was in a destination, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe more. And just the way the calendar of my responsibilities for, you know, doing focus groups and interviews and stuff like that, it fell out that I was going to be Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. So I had to spend the weekend there. Not that I didn't want to. I mean, it was a great town. But I was in a hotel that was next door to a cigar shop. And in my hotel that weekend was a military reunion. And the cigar shop was closed on Saturday and Sunday. Wow. And... On Monday, I popped my head in and I said, hey, I said, did you not know there was a military reunion next door this weekend? You could have made your whole month (laughs) in one day. Absolutely. And I mean, I thought he was going to cry. And he said, I I didn't know. And that bureau that I was working for was a membership bureau and he wasn't a member. So he didn't get the memo that there was an opportunity next door for him. And I see that in so many cases. And one of the reasons that we think that membership is a outdated function of destination marketing organizations, we need to go beyond those who pay us. But I felt so sorry for this guy because he wasn't in the loop. And that's, I think, where what we're talking about here is how do we get our communities, our businesses, our entrepreneurs more engaged. So last question. In virtually every community in which we've worked since the pandemic wrecked our world, workforce is a primary focus of the conversations. No surprise there. Tell us how TDM is working to fill the talent pipeline through the development of, as you said earlier, apprentice programs and other things that you're doing to build that pipeline of workforce back up in a more equitable and diverse function? Well, I would say, you know, our industry certainly has a challenge in general around workforce because of the perceived environment. Listen, it was amongst the industry that was hit the hardest. It's at that particular industry where a lot of moms and dads who were paying tuition for college uh, had to make really hard decisions. And their children who are in a lot of the hospitality programs are maybe scratching their heads saying, is this particular industry where my child should find their future? 
And to that degree, we have to really reimagine how we sell the positive virtues of being in our industry. And we all know that it's a fantastic industry for travel. It's one where you can come in at the entry level and work your way up to leadership roles. It's mm -hmm. an environment where, you know, every day is quite different. It's one that provides you a lot of opportunity to go between different departments, different divisions. I mean, there are just so many countless reasons why our industry is one that should without any doubt attract workforce. But let's face it, there's a lot of competition with a variety of other more accommodating uh, mm -hmm. work environments for individuals. So to some degree, we'll have to be a bit of a disruptor and look at some more creative strategies in terms of how we can engage workforce. Perhaps some of the traditional models that we've had, even as far as scheduling, may need to be somewhat adjusted in order to meet the expectation. You know, we have three generations of workers in our industry, and some are very committed to our industry and want to work for multiple years. And some may want to do it for a few years and then try something else. So I think the model or the environment for work is one that we'll probably look at property by property or brand by brand in order to make greater strides to meet the needs and the expectation of the current workforce. Uh, but I would say the work that we do on the TDM side, especially from the apprentice program, is really designed for us to contribute to that talent pipeline. So an apprentice, which is significantly different from the internship, is really about mastery of skill sets and for organizations that are committed to provide an individual the ability to master a certain skill set, puts them on a trajectory that will take them to the next step in terms of their career movement towards becoming a leader. You know, I think of our apprentice program as that second at bat opportunity, perhaps when an individual was at their college or university and they didn't get into that management training program, but found their way into a great organization and they're trying to figure out what's the next step to get me back on that track for career growth, the apprentice program can be that. It's 600 hours of multiple experiences with partners that are all dedicated to provide this individual the ability to master skill sets to move to the next level. I mean, that for us has been a fantastic resource in order to provide uh, employers and businesses an ability to connect with that next generation of leaders. We also have done a great deal of work in terms of our collaboration with diverse academic institutions, especially with the historically black colleges and universities consortium. You know, that's a gathering of all deans and directors from the HBCU schools that have hospitality programs. They have some fantastic matriculating students and even better, they have some fantastic alumni who would be a perfect fit for some of the opportunities in our industry. And we're working very closely with them to make the connection. We also have worked very closely with the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality, and it's a fantastic organization that has been around for a number of decades that has without any doubt provided a great way for employers and the next generation of talented leaders in order to connect, to find out what those opportunities are and how they can either host them as interns, maybe in some cases apprentice, but more importantly, to be able to do direct hire. There are regional conferences, there's annual conferences within SMH, and it is without any doubt the first place to look when it comes to workforce, especially diverse workforce. But I think it'll also be important 
as we move forward around building workforce, building relationships within communities. There are some incredible nonprofit workforce development organizations out there that are connecting with individuals who are transitioning career choices, individuals who might be in a reentry program, individuals who just are looking for that next great opportunity and building relationships with organizations like the Boys and Girls Club or the High School Academies Program on a national platform or communities and schools in a national platform, or even the Urban League, these type of organizations have incredible workforce development programs. And it will be important that as an industry, we plug in so that we're hitting it in all these different levels. We're approaching it from the perspective of top talent and pipeline. We're working through academic institutions, high schools. We're also working with community partners. That level of diverse approach to finding and building that next generational workforce will be key. But I think it is crucially important that we are very creative and innovative about the way we look at work in our industry. Let me double back just briefly on the apprentice program. You say 600 hours. Is this in a specific industry or regimen, or is this more of a management thing that that it's, it's a little bit of everything so that these apprentices come out ready to be the managers that we need today? So we offer three tracks with our apprentice program. One can be directly with the DMO. There is a sports track. There is a meetings track. So there's usually a collaboration of partners that will offer an individual somewhat of a rotational experience during the course of those 600 hours. Now, there's some obligation. There's compensation for the individual. And in addition, that there is a job at the end of that apprentice activity. Those particular tracks have worked out extremely well in terms of providing clearly what the path is in terms of what the next steps would be in their career. So for us, we've leaned very heavily in those three and the partners help to facilitate the exposure and then take the next step from there. Well, then there's really, not to correct you, but there's really four tracks, right? Because Al in Baltimore has got a brewery track, right? <laughs> so you know what? <laughs> it does. And we should probably clear that up for everybody in the audience. So <laughs> Geddes was one of the sponsors, and they are incredible sponsors who really help to add that other dimension to it. And you know, as we've worked with various destinations to host an apprentice, sometimes there are some incredible creative partners who will come to the table to help to financially support as well as to provide an experience, a rotational experience. So just to kind of clear it up, the two students had some great (laughs) opportunities. One was very much focused on the technology of craft beer brewing. So that's why he learned a lot about that. And then the other was, she was very interested in marketing. And that was one of the reasons why she wanted to do that. I should point out that we recently had one of our apprentice recruited and secured by Chew Chicago. And uniquely, their partner is Uh United Airlines. So in this particular case, although that's not a defined track, the partner has built in an ability for the individual to master some skill sets that might take them on a career within the airline industry. So although we have some definitive tracks, a lot of times the partners can somewhat redefine what that 
ultimate experience might be because of who's actually joined them at the table. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm glad you pointed out Guinness because that is kind of a funny one. <laughs> it is. It really is. So listen, as we close up here, I, I want to just a say congratulations for what you're doing and back to that concept that, you know, we were hearing people on what was it probably a year and a half ago saying, oh, it just seems to have lost steam and you're doing all this work behind the scenes. So you've now done work with probably what, four or five DMOs. And in our pre-call, you said your goal is going to be 20 DMOs by the end of this year. So tell us how a destination marketing organization can get engaged in the work that TDM is doing. Well, I would certainly say you could visit our website at tourismdiversitymatters.org to learn a lot more about the work that we're doing, especially as it relates to providing the organizational assessments, as well as if you're interested in participating in our apprentice program. You know, what's really most important about it is that we build a regular line of communication through our social media channels, uh, as well as a blog that we have that provides great insight around the best practices and industry comparisons around DEI. But listen, if an organization opted not to do an assessment, we still are there to be a resource. We can do some great workshops. I do a number of presentations around the fundamentals of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And once again, I would emphasize the idea that our industry now has an organization that 24-7 yeah. is really focused on this provides us the continuity and the singular focus that was always needed that perhaps was never there. We just now do it from a collaborative perspective, building on the great work that other organizations are doing, but realizing that as an industry, we now know that we have that dedicated resource. And as we continue to evolve as TDM and continue to build the resources that we can provide to the industry, we can make greater strides in moving towards what has always been a top priority for our industry to achieve greater diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. High time that it went from committee to an actual 100% 24-7 organization congratulations for all of that. Time for the bonus round question. So when we were together last, you shared what I thought was a really powerful story about what caused you to choose destination marketing as your career path. So TDM is obviously an amazing next step for you, but you said that you wanted to share your next chapter. What's that? So my next chapter has been, <laughs> and everyone has said, so Greg, when you retire, what do you want to do? So I was, you know, a boomer who was brought up during the course of the time when they had all those great disaster movies. And the book yeah. Hotel has always been one of my best reads. When I taught, I used that as one of the academic reads for my students. And I had always said, wouldn't it be great if we wrote the Black version of the book Hotel? Yeah. And my next chapter would be to hop in a car drive across country, interview as many Black people who work in hotels, from luxury hotels to limited service hotels to independent hotels, to tell me their stories. Because I would love to tell a story that is similar to the book Hotel, that takes you through like this 24-hour period of a hotel and give you the insights of that housekeeper, or that dishwasher, or that bellman, or that maintenance mechanic, or the executive secretary, or the director 
director of sales, I would love to be able to tell that from those people of color who have been in the space for so many years that have these incredible perspectives of the industry that just have not been shared. Oh, yeah. uh, so for me, that would be my next, and I think I said my next chapter, and literally that would be my next chapter to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All puns intended, right? <laughs> That's great. Well, Greg, thank you once again for taking the time to join us. All the work that you're doing with Tourism Diversity Matters. It is exciting that you are now a full-time, 100% focused on this uh, effort. Uh, I know as it began, you had one foot in uh, PHL diversity and one foot in TDM. And having you 100% is going to make this thing just fly. So thank you once again. Thank you. And I'll always say this. I am always tethered in some way or another to PHL CVB and PHL diversity because they are the gold seal in terms of how all this works. But I'm excited to be the full-time executive director of Tourism Diversity Matters. And I share the PHL diversity story with virtually every client that I work with. So uh, thank you for all that work as well. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destinations International. Summit season is upon us. And if you have not checked out the 2022 schedule, it's available online coming up next month. The CEO Summit on April 3 through 5 in Palm Springs. And the Marketing and Communications Summit is April 24th through 26th in Seattle. Learn more at destinationsinternational.org slash upcoming hyphen events. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to our book, Destination Leadership, where you can subscribe to the Z News, find our position papers on community development and board diversity, as well as past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.